Hi, I am Robin Miller, and this is The Art of Semi-Fiction. And I'm Jane Daly. And today we are going to be starting a three-part, three-part series. Because... Must be a big subject. It is a big subject, but it's also um, because there's four things that are interrelated. So the subject is tropes, cliches, stereotypes, and archetypes. And Architects? Are we doing... (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be talking about buildings. Okay. Um, Archetypes, thank you. And, of course, we are going to define them, but we are also going to be um, talking about how they kind of water down, make your writing not what it should be. So this is this is primarily for our fiction and creative nonfiction. Because remember, creative nonfiction, personal narrative, we are using all the same tools that exactly. we use in fiction. So um, it's not just for, for fiction, but for all those of you who just write how-tos, We'll give you a pass on this one because this one is really for people who are writing stories mm-hmm. of some kind. Whether true, and true or not. True or not, right. If nonfiction, right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot because I think it's funny to watch your face. So if you're listening on the podcast, just flip over to the video when I do this to Jane. YouTube. Because, I mean, ah, yes, that. Because it cracks me up. Okay. Um, do you remember what a trope is? What are my three things? <laughs> no, wait a minute. <laughs> A trope is something that is predictable. That was safe. <laughs> so not quite right. But that, it was a good guess. Wait a minute. Where's my phone? <laughs> Dictionary.com. Yeah. Sorry. Can't do it. You can't phone a friend. <laughs> On our podcast, you can't phone a friend. We're okay. all the friends we've got at this point. So we're it. And I'm not telling you. No, I am going to tell you. A trope is a commonly recurring literary and rhetorical device motif or or cliche. Okay, so what does that mean? That's that's when if I said, okay, I'll give you a quiz and you're going to pass this one, so don't like freak out and defriend me or anything. If I said this phrase to you, I wrote this phrase and you read this in a book. Tell me what kind of writing you think that this is. Once upon a time, that is a. Um... <laughs> I gave you the easiest one first, Jane. My mind went blank. It's a. It's a. Fairy tale. Thank you. Oh my gosh, that was going to be embarrassing. It was a dark and stormy night. Snoopy. (laughs) That's That's sort of true. Literary fiction. Yes, but it is going to be. What kind of what 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 is the feeling of that book? Serious. Yes. Dark. The butler did it. Ooh, mystery. There you go. (laughs) This one is going to crack you up. Okay. Okay. His chiseled chest dripped with sweat, and her long flowing hair cascaded to her tight waist. What do you think that is? That that, that would be like kind of a harlequin romance. <laughs> That'd be romance, exactly. Look at that, four out of four. You, Thank you. you didn't even blow that test. So that was a trope. So those are tropes. Okay. If it's easily, it's commonly recurring. It's those. It's the phrases. It's the settings. It's the boring old words that we know as soon as we hear them it is instantly recognizable but is a trope bad a trope is almost always not good i mean obviously if you're writing a book of of new fairy tales for children once upon a time is going to be okay okay right but if you're trying to write the newest coolest um 
um, or a twist on romance, like a Christian romance kind of thing. Do we need to see chiseled chest? Chiseled chest would be inappropriate. Would be in inappropriate. A, yeah. Long flowing hair and tight waist. You know, we need, you know, wear some plump redheads. I'm just saying in a romance, we could have a plump redhead here and there and be good to go. I don't know. Um, so, so it's, it's anything that is a literary device that is the equivalent of if you you, know, you watch so a like, movie, it's like manipulative. Well, yeah, because it's 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 cliche. It's it's recognizable. Okay, it's it's the it's something that you know you're never going to see. You, you if you're reading, it, well, depending on what kind of fairy tales you read, you hope you're never going to read a fairy tale where, where it is described the the prince is described as having a chiseled chest, right? Because that's not a pro- well, it's not appropriate. <laughs> period. But but it's not appropriate in that genre. So you want to stay away f- from the predictable. That's pretty much what all of this is going to be talking about over the next three parts, staying out of the predictable. Okay. We don't want our readers to no go. No tropes. We don't want our readers to say tropes, we've read that, been bad. there. Tropes, so no tropes. Bad. Okay. So the next one, again, these are all re- very closely related. Okay. Cliches. Do you know what do you want do you want to define that or do you want me to well define it for you? Um, I'm cliche, afraid of you now. A cliche is like a th- what I think of is a phrase that's overused, like there. at the end of the day, or let's for me the one I really don't like is let's unpack this. That just kind of mm. bothers me. I mean, why can't we just explain it? Do we have to unpack it? Because no. So okay. that, that's what I think of. Pretty much. I'm going to read this because it's going to make you feel good. I'm okay. just going to read my definition. All right. Cliches are phrases or expressions. That are so overused, which is the word you used, mm-hmm. they're annoying and display a lack of original thought. In writing, cliches refer to kinds of stories, plot lines, or characters that are predictable. That's going to be the, th- the through word, okay. predictable, and therefore boring. Okay. No boring. If we, if some, and, and again, you use a, I, I'll give a couple examples and yours is perfect. Actions speak louder than words. The grass is always greener on the other side. The apple doesn't far from fall far from the tree. You can't judge a book by its cover. When you're using those kind of phrases or ideas, if you if you use it, it's already been done, and mm-hmm. so it's cliche. And if it's been done so much, it's kind of like the book The Hunger Games. I didn't read it, but um, my teenage daughter made me watch one of them, though, and I watched it like this. <laughs> for you, because uh, I don't like gory things. I don't like scary, tense things. For you, for those of you on the podcast, that was me scrunching my eyes tightly closed. But <laughs> out of love for my daughter, I sat in a theater with my eyes closed, paying $200 for a small popcorn. Okay. Um, but it, but what happened after that Hunger Games? And what happened after, what was the, do you remember the um, vampire one? What was that? Twilight? Mm-hmm, Twilight. Twilight? Suddenly, 18,000 vampire Love stories. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, eighteen thousand utopian worlds where something people are fighting and, and for survival, yeah. right? For food. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What happened was an original idea <gasps> became when a trope. Be- became a cliche. Oh. The trope would have been the words and s- settings that would have been you would have instantly recognized. Them. And and you there could be some tropes in there. So if somebody says in a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, children were being sent to fight to the death and you're going to know it's a hunger gamesy yeah. kind of book. Okay. So that's kind of the trope, but it, it has to be something that's instantly recognizable to be a trope. So you okay. always know what you're getting and it's predictable. A cliche is something that's just overused. And in this case, you know, vampire love stories overused, overused now, but when, when twilight was written, 
there weren't a lot of vampire love stories out there. Well, other than Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But was that a love story? I didn't watch well, that either. I don't know. I never watched it, but I thought, you know, maybe her and Angel. I don't. Okay, I didn't watch any of it, so I have no idea. Okay, well, but but the but the point go. the point is, often something it's it's kind of like Seven Up was the lemon lime soda, and then there was Sprite, and you know all the others. Well, actually, I don't know which one came first. To be perfectly honest, I don't drink Seven that up. either. Seven Up came first. Um, I think it did come first, but it's kind of that that same idea. The the people who are trying to make a copy of what is successful that becomes cliche after mm-hmm. a while, right? Sure. It's been done. It's predictable. We know what's going to happen. In a, rom- a lot of romance books that even, you know, even Christian ones, you kind of know there's a strapping, you know, main character and some woman and they end up married or, or end up in love. You know, something like that. It, You know what a romance is going to do. So that becomes cliche. So how to, av- to avoid that is your goal. Okay. You don't want predictability. So tropes bad, cliches bad. And guess what else is bad? Um, stereotypes. Uh, of course, stereotypes. Stereotypes are bad. Do you want to take a shot at defining that for us? Well, your stereotype. So I think of somebody who is the villain as with the little mustache that they squeeze the ends and twirl them and they wear dark <laughs> clothing. Yeah, that's kind of what yeah. I think of as a stereotype. Well, it's basically any oversimplified image of a people or a you know, a, a culture or a place mm-hmm. like we get all the time because we, we live in California. I am so done, especially since I've spent about 10 years of my life living abroad. And everybody thinks that we're all walking around in string. But I know this is an image nobody wants, but a string bikini and we're all talking to stars. And we're yeah, all, because movie stars are everywhere. Here. Yeah. And and we're all living on the beach. When I say, no, I live at altitude in the mountains. And they're like, yeah, there's no mountains in California. Like, actually, the tallest mountains in America, except for Alaska, are in California. Yeah, we do have the, t- you know, almost 15,000 15, yeah. foot mountains. Yeah. And I live among them. So... Those are stereotypes mm-hmm. or all Californians are vegetarians or all Californians are liberal or, or whatever. Anything that oversimplifies a group and basically attaches um, a very generalized label is a stereotype. So all writers are introverts. Exactly. Oh my gosh. If you say that to the ones who aren't, they start getting violent. Mm. All the people. No, just kidding. <laughs> Whenever you say <laughs> all, all those writers. Yeah. So, so. Some ex- examples of stereotypes are the women must in a relationship in a marriage must be the caregiver. So they're going to be the nurturing one and the father's going to be the, you know, I'm going to go out and hunt and make fire mm-hmm. kind okay. of thing. Or a race that's good at math or miserly with money or, mm. you know, must be doctors or lawyers to say all that race or whatever. Um, eyeglass wearers as smart. Although in this case. I happen I'm to be wearing my glasses. I'm my new glasses today. I happen to be wearing my glasses, so clearly that one's true. But, you know. And another one, this is one I get all the time, which is kind of funny because I am kind of a jokester, but chubby people are always jolly. <laughs> well. So you can't, write a, like, you can't write a chubby mean person, apparently, because we're all jolly people. So jolly. I'm jolly, though. So, that, so I do fit the stereotype. But the point of those is if you say that all these so we went to the land of flibbity flub and everybody in flibbity flub does this on tuesday Eh. you know when you start using stereotypes either ones that are already established or even ones that you're creating that is that's when you start getting into all the all the things that are going around today that are making people angry is really about that people want to be known individually and they want to be valued and accepted individually and i don't want 
you know, the redhead hot tempered thing I got <laughs> kind of thing. Um, even my own grandma, bless her heart. She said, she once told me that I must be a good dancer. And I'm because like, you're a redhead? because I'm chubby. And she thought, I'm like, okay. She was my favorite human being in the entire world. Lovely, lovely woman. But I, that was one of the what kind of moments. That was for whatever reason. However, she got that into her mind. Maybe it was just her experience was every chubby person she knew could, you know, work the dance floor. But I thought, you know, that's just a, that's it, funny. And of course, we have all the racist ones and the gender ones and the age, you know, all the things that are flying all around. All men must have played basketball. Ex- exactly. Exactly. All that stuff just drives the people who have to endure that crazy. crazy. So you don't want to drive your readers crazy by stereotyping your characters. Exactly. And you don't want to perpetuate that rubbish. Mm-hmm. And partially that becomes that, that if you do a stereotype. So, I mean... You know, some races being viewed as miserly Mm -hmm. because they're that race. That not only is insulting to that race, but it's also, uh, you know, it's boring. You know, why don't we have, why don't we turn it on our, you know, on its ear a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it it becomes cliche. And uh, cliches are just, we've we've heard it, we've seen it, we've done it, we bought the t-shirt, and we don't need another book about it. So that's the stereotype. Okay. Okay. For our last one that we're going to define to kind of set the stage for the next two episodes is what an archetype is. This is the one that you didn't quite quite know. You know the other ones, but did you know this one? <laughs> for those of you who are listening, no. uh, Jane's eyes just about popped out of her head because she opened them so wide. No, go ahead. I I I know. I kind of know, but I don't want to say because I I don't. Yeah. No. <laughs> We need to do we need to do a little uh, podcast uh, revisit on tight writing <laughs> on that one. Uh, no, uh, uh, oh, well, no, uh, uh, no. It, it's basically it's just a very typical example of a person or thing. So, if we're writing and we write about a fat jolly king, you know that character has been done a million times, or an innocent maiden needing rescue. Mm. Okay, we've done that a million times. A valiant prince. Why can't we have a jerk? You know, come on. Um, or a wizened grandmother. So you're you're taking these characters and we've seen them over and over. They, they tend to not only be, I mean, we as soon as we see them, and, the, and one of the problems with using one of those archetypes is because there's such a connection to past stories, because we've seen those characters appear in so many different contexts. Like a wicked stepmother. Yeah, exactly. We know the story, we think. So you're already predisposing our your reader to go, I already know the end of this. I know how this so is. So not to be. not be mm-hmm. engaged. And they're gonna miss, even if you tried, if you if you put in an archetype, if you've got a stereotypical, cliched, trope-laden character, <laughs> what's gonna happen is even if there's some kind of nuances that are are unique or twists, we're gonna read over them. Mm. Your readers are not gonna pay attention because they think they already know. They already know what you're all about. Have you ever had that in a, in a conversation with a person who they think they've got you sussed? Oh, sure. I mean, we, we joke about when we first met, and I thought, this woman is never going to like me. I mean, look at her, for gosh sake. She's, like, put together. She's cute with a little cute little hair and a little skinny body. And, and you just look so put together. I stereotyped you. I had you as the 
quintessential vice president of a bank woman who is going to look at me and go, y'all need to just step aside because you are a hot mess. And I am not, I'm not playing there in that sandbox. Thank you. So I even did that with you. I'm shocked. I know. Shocked. Oh my gosh. She is so not because she's heard the story five million times. But. But, And you forgot my posture. Oh, yes. I didn't say it because she gets mad at me. But yes, she has freakishly good posture. It's bizarre. It is unnatural. And I thought, because I don't have freakishly good posture, even my best posture is slumping over. It's hunchback of Notre Dame compared to yours. And so I just assumed, and and the assumption I made was, there's nobody who is young, hip, cool, well-postured, accomplished as you, who's going to want a chubby goofball who slouches as a friend. I mean, that was the reality of it. I I made that assumption. And that's what your readers will do. If you paint a stereotypical character and you don't, you know, we've talked about um, we have that great podcast on creating complex, mm-hmm. compelling characters. Don't have them one dimensional. Because if you do that, your readers will make assumptions just like I did with you. And if I hadn't, been thrown together with you because we served on a board for a long time together and we were at the same writing conferences and things. And if we hadn't had that situation where I got to know you behind the adorable hair and the freakishly good posture, I would not have realized how much we have in common Mm -hmm. and how great our friendship was going to be and is. Um, It is a little bit of the odd couple still. I mean, she is all about waking up at 5 a.m. to go to spin class and I'm all about going to bed at 4.30 in the morning you know, kind of thing. But I would have missed that. Well, and, and that's what will happen with if you're writing about someone and you you make them a stereotype or an archetype, yeah. which I can never pronounce, archetype. Um, your readers are going to, they're going to be bored because yeah. they're going to be like, I know, I know this. I've read this a thousand times. I don't need. Yeah. You, that's, that's why that compelling character, uh, building is so important that Absolutely. you don't just have someone who's two dimensional that you fit into a box. Well, she's blonde, so she must be dumb. It, uh, or, yeah, exactly. Or the glasses and the smart and mm-hmm. the redheads being hothead, all those things. Or any, you know, she's old, so she's past it. She can't, she can't Instagram or right. even she's young and she can't have any wisdom. You know, all those things that we do that make our characters basically somebody that we, that our readers dismiss. We, we've lost the battle. Yeah. We have lost the battle. So sure. it's important to avoid all of these things. I'm just going to run through them again. And then okay. we're going we're to be talking about how to avoid all these things and some specific things you can do in the next couple of, of episodes. Yeah, because it's series. one thing to know about it and then the other yeah. to figure out, am I doing that? And you're going to need – I've got some concrete strategies for how to avoid. Excellent. So, but – so we were talking about tropes, mm-hmm. which are those commonly recurring literary and re- rhetorical devices, motifs, or cliches. So that's okay. the dark and stormy night, the once upon a time, mm-hmm. anything that as soon as you hear that word or see that scene or whatever, boom. Yeah. I mean, okay. you, if, if I if I showed you a picture of a guy with a mask and a chainsaw. Oh, yeah. Horror story. Yeah. Right. So yeah. any image or or phrase that immediately draws something to your mind. That's a trope. Okay. Cliches. Cliches are just overused phrases, like okay. you said. Mm-hmm. So we want to avoid, we want to find a unique and interesting way because it, it becomes white noise. So mm-hmm. just unique and interesting way to say something. You know, you can't judge a book by its cover. Actions speak louder than words. No. Okay. And then stereotypes. And again, all these are really linked. 
It's a widely held but fixed and oversimplified image or idea of a particular type of person or thing. So, Californians are not all liberal and we don't all live on the beach. Right. Okay. And the archetype, it's a very typical example of a certain kind of person or thing. So, all of California is a beach would actually be an archetypal description of California or the king as a fat, jolly guy who's right. kind of goofy. Okay. While things are going along. That's an archetype. All right. With that information in hand, we're going to then look two more episodes on how to address these things and make sure they are not in your writing. So stay tuned for those next two episodes. In the meantime, I am Robin Miller. And I'm Jane Daly, where we explore every corner of the written word. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave a review for us. Thank you for Thanks. listening.